Hello, and welcome back to For the Penguins. I am your host, Mika Ramirigota. Thank you so much for listening in. So last week, we talked with Josh about the electric vehicle industry. We talked about innovation politically and technologically, and also addressed some concerns that consumers might have. So if this is of interest to you, feel free to check it out. This week, we're going to talk with Rosina about the nonprofit world. She's a director for CELI, which is the Clean Energy Leadership Institute. She focuses on internships with the program Edict, and she also founded Ecologic. So if you want to hear about any of those topics that we just talked about, feel free to tune in, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, Rosina, to my passion project. Excited uh, to be here. <laughs> so Rosina is a director at the Clean Energy Leadership Institute, as well as the founder and director of Ecologic. But please go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us what you're doing, and why are you here with us today? Sounds good. Hi, everyone. My name is Rosina, and I am a director at the Clean Energy Leadership Institute. I work on energy justice partnerships, um, predominantly with the EDICT internship program, which stands for Empowering Diverse Climate Talent. This is kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. So this is a fitting podcast. Um, And I also am the founder and executive director of Ecologic, which is a nonprofit organization that inspires environmental action through education, art, and community. So excited to be here, excited about this podcast, and excited to share my career journey if it's helpful for anyone. You know, I'm very excited about interviewing you because you have such an interesting path to how you got here. Can you maybe share, how did you get to where you are now? Maybe a little bit about your background and then what made you want to branch out and start a nonprofit? Yeah, how far back do we want to go? So, I mean, my interest in environmental issues actually started back in fourth grade. I had a teacher who talked to us about Rachel Carson and Silent Spring, and I tried reading that book, didn't understand it, but I understood the concept of, you know, why are we spraying these chemicals that are killing birds? And I feel like that kind of was a fundamental just like question I've had. And so, um, my career journey and academic background has really been in environmental topics. So following college, um, I spent a year in India. I was uh, doing research as a Fulbright scholar and looking at the topic of India's agrarian distress, which actually is just a nice way of saying farmers' suicides. Oh, wow. Yeah, incredibly depressing topic. And it was sort of that experience really showed me like up close firsthand what climate change is doing to people. And it was more than climate change, right? It was also like agribusiness companies and kind of this power dynamic. And it just really led me to understand that certain people are more vulnerable in the face of these systems. And so after that, um, so then I did a master's program in environment sustainable development. So a lot of my experiences were abroad, sort of in the field of international development. But then when I moved back to the States, I landed at a solar advocacy job in Texas. And that was sort of my first exposure and experience working in the clean energy space. So th- yeah, that was Pre my CELI fellowship, because I was actually a fellow with the Clean Energy Leadership Institute before I 
joined staff. So so when you were studying in college and you were focusing on agriculture, did clean energy not pop up or this is all relatively new, right? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. It did not. Like my entire master's program, which was called Environment and Sustainable Development, did not talk, did not address clean energy, which in retrospect is shocking because sustainable de- like development and environment both like energy is such a key part of both of those topics and I don't think I even realized that that was a missing component until I started working in the industry and then when I joined CELI as a fellow when I lived in DC I realized that the CELI fellowship was sort of a missing part of my grad school program mm-hmm. so CELI was a little bit of like grad school extension for me but yeah you're right like you know we looked at like food systems we looked at agriculture we looked at water we looked at planning a lot of things but energy was just not a part of the conversation that's very interesting yeah, yeah. I interviewed other people recently that graduated school in the last five years and they do have those programs yeah. now but that's crazy because even when I was in school and I graduated about four or five years ago too I didn't know that much about it. I- yeah, grad school for me was in 2010, so it's been a while, and it was in the UK. Um, so yeah, I don't for whatever reason, um, energy was just not a part of the conversation for my particular program. But yeah, so then I worked in the solar industry for a bit. Um, I moved to DC. I was working at an organization called Grid Alternatives, which really focuses on. Um, Entering access to clean energy as well as workforce development. So that was a really cool organization to be a part of. When you say workforce development, are you talking about when, let's say, coal plants are retiring and there's new solar wind plants helping people adjust to that? Or are you talking about people like us that are trying to get into the workforce, into renewables? Yeah. So, um, my, so what I meant was, you know, as grid was going into communities to um, install solar. It was really working with people in those communities to get them trained up to install solar. So I love that. every build was like done using volunteers and giving them an opportunity to get some hands on technical skills. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't believe it was really focused on like coal communities, although there may be that shift now because it's been a few years since I've worked at grid, but at the time it was more just you know, ensuring that all the builds were open to volunteers from the community. That's extremely important to get people involved in the projects, not just have some random people come in, build something, and exactly. then leave. Exactly. So, no, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, fast forward, you asked about you know what led me to start the nonprofit. So yeah, when I moved back to the states after being abroad for several years, I really wanted to figure out how can we make environmental education fun and action oriented. Those were kind of my things because it was like. You know, sometimes there's this idea of like, well, this is all depressing. I don't, you know, how do you make it fun? (laughs) And how do you make it action oriented? Because once you learn about it, well, then what? So I created this um, high school curriculum and I was living in Texas, as I mentioned at the time and launched a camp. So it was called Camp Ecologic. This was before Ecologic was a nonprofit. Um, And yeah, just had some really good response and turnout to that program. So it was just a lot of fun. Working with the youth is really inspiring. Then fast forward, when I was living in D.C., um, it was 2018. The IPCC report had just come out, and it was sort of the first time that the IPCC report had given us a, like a time frame of like, 
we have 12 years yeah. in which we need to act and kind of make everyone like go yeah, into a panic. Exa- well, that's what I thought what would happen. I thought people would sort of wake up and I thought that would be the moment like, oh my gosh, we have t- 12 years. And yet I didn't feel like that report really made it to people's radars outside of environmental circles. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like news cycle for a day and then people moved on to the next news story, right? Yeah. And it was the previous presidential administration. So I just had a lot of anxiety and I just needed to find a way to channel my climate anxiety. So <laughs> I wrote a play and it was a climate comedy. Wait, I love that. What's it called? It's called Love in the Time of Climate Change. <laughs> I love plays so I I would just I would have the rest of this just be about the play is it like about like two people or is it like two penguins or like two polar bears you're giving me ideas for the next play (laughs) no so it centered around a millennial woman and it was sort of her journey um, navigating modern dating and climate change anxiety. So <laughs> two not so funny topics and somehow we turned it into a comedy because you have to learn to laugh through it all. I love that. So the play, honestly, it started off as a just creative outlet, almost a joke among friends. Um, I submitted the idea to a theater festival without even having a fully fleshed out script without having a cast like I was making up answers on the questionnaire about like how long is the runtime how big is the cast and I was like what cast and then we got accepted into the theater festival and we were given five performance nights and I was like okay I think I have friends we'll try to get 20 people to show up a night we had every single night was sold out we got media coverage like there was just so much positive response to this play idea that was really just an idea and to me it signified okay there is a need for creativity in the climate movement absolutely (laughs) and I feel like the play really gave space for this feeling of climate anxiety that um you know I didn't realize how many people were feeling until the play and so many people just told me how much they resonated with it and I think now this idea of climate anxiety is gaining a lot more popularity if that's the right word but I think back in 2019 it was less so talked about and so so then the camp idea that I did with the high schoolers in Texas the play idea it was sort of like okay you know there's something about like how do we get creative with our programming how do we reach more mainstream audiences how do we make climate action more actionable you know and so it was through those kind of side projects that I decided, okay, let's start a nonprofit. You know, it'll help us build partnerships, things like that. So started the process of registering it as a nonprofit. Uh Um, We received our 501c3 in April 2020. So how long did that take? Pandemic time. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, how long did it take? You know, it didn't take as long as I I thought it would take. Nice. Yeah, it was actually, um, you know, I've heard like, Registering a nonprofit can take a long time. Um, For some reason, it just didn't take that much time. I was also working, you know, full time when I started it. So it was, oh, it was, you know, at the the time, it was going to be something that was sort of like a side hustle, Uh um, passion project. But then, of course, with the pandemic, everything changed. So we, you know, have done two and a half years of programming. It's all been virtual, but we're moving to in-person programming in 2023. So excited about that but yeah a very long response to your question (laughs) no but I I love that because actually I think it makes perfect sense the panic that you felt back in 2019 and the lack of response that you've seen around because 
it's it's easy to forget how we process things with with maybe our specific background and the fact that we know what we're reading versus if that gets released to someone that didn't study anything environmental maybe just hasn't been surrounded by that and would like to start getting little snippets of what's happening that's a lot to take in versus a play a camp i don't know what other forms of exposure you do but that's perfect because i would totally accidentally stumble upon a play hear people laughing and be like what is that yeah and we performed it in dc i think dc is kind of a small town city you know where word spreads and there's sort of like a climate community in dc lots of politics there yeah exactly and a lot of dating woes in dc really? <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> those are the two biggest right. things that would give anyone anxiety right. so that is very relatable 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. so what does your team look like at celi and then also at the nonprofit? yeah well celi is um just an amazing network of professionals like the smartest most passionate people that work in clean energy so it is such I can't speak highly enough about the network that CLI totally unbiased right yeah <laughs> totally unbiased um but no if you go back to like how CLI was founded right my understanding is that a group of professionals in DC were very dismayed when the Waxman-Markey bill failed in the Senate. And it was like this need to have community and, you know, continue to educate around topics. And so that was kind of how CELI was founded. For those who don't know, what was that bill about? Yeah, it was like just, you know, a climate bill. Like, I, I don't have all the details, but <laughs> at the time, you know, it was like the climate bill. Mm -hmm. And this was back in, I want to say, 2013, so almost a decade ago, right? And it is frustrating that how long people out there have been fighting. Exactly, because yeah. we now have the, you know, IRA, which has passed, but it's been 10 years in the making, right? And I think there was a lot of um, just dismay around that, you know, not happening. And so there was just this need for community, for education, for learning, and CELI was founded back in 2013. And so, you know, it has just done an amazing job cultivating this community and educating people. Like for me, it was the missing part of my grad school program. So just hugely instrumental to my learning and also just giving me that sense of community. Um, and I think in a city like D.C. where CLI started, I think that's also really important because D.C. is a pretty transient city and there's always like new people. And to have sort of an anchor with through a community, I think, was really nice. Anyways, fast forward, we've now just completed. CLI has completed its, I think, 10th year of fellowship. So we have an wow. alumni body of around a thousand people. Well, and you're all across the country, which like I, I didn't know that at first. I thought it was just a Chicago based thing until I realized you're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it used to be location based. And so it still is to some extent. There are chapters in DC, New York, Chicago, the Bay Area. And now there are also two virtual cohorts. So people nice. that are, you know, in the clean energy space, um, check out the Clean Energy Leadership Institute. Um, but so to get back to your question about like who am I surrounded with? So that's so so these this alumni community, they've gone through the fellowship. 
but the staff of CELA is actually pretty small. And because I focus predominantly on the EDICT internship program, it's actually a partnership with another organization called Elemental Accelerator and Future Map. So yeah, I get to work with the CELA staff as well as these other cool organizations who we're all just committed to creating pathways into the green economy. And Edict is focused on, you know, trying to build a diverse pipeline of talent, but also pushing companies who host interns to build more inclusive workspaces. So it's not just, okay, we're going to match interns with host companies. It goes so much beyond that, where there's a community of practice for host companies And then there's also soft skills training that interns receive and, you know, they get access to professional network. And so um, one of the things that I do is I get to help bridge the gap between the CLI fellowship and the edict interns. So it's almost like these mentorship opportunities so that edict interns get to see what jobs in the clean energy industry look like. And so... Yeah, my job's really cool. I get to work, you know, get to interact with the CLI fellows and the edict interns. Are the internships usually for people in college, high school, masters? Uh, Good question. So college students as well as recent grads and some graduates as well, but um, not high schoolers. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, no, that's awesome. Okay, and then you mentioned edict and you mentioned elementary, what was it called? Elemental Accelerator. Elemental Accelerator. Mm -hmm. Do they all have similar backgrounds like you, where you worked in policy, you went international, you came back, worked in solar, and then you went to sea light, right? Mm-hmm. Do they have something similar like that? Um, so one of the partners, Future Map, they, and I don't know exactly what the backgrounds of everyone is that I work with. Yeah, I guess like you, you stop asking that at some point in your life. I'm just still asking people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Future Map, I mean, they're an organization and they work predominantly with first gen students. So it's a okay. lot about the soft skills training, like how can they support interns to really succeed and mm-hmm. how can they um, work with host companies to help them help their interns succeed. So things like a workshop on giving feedback is something that like Future Map helped develop, you know, that curriculum. Yeah. As an engineer, we need that because our soft skills are not developed in college. We are on our own for that. We're just thrown into the world. So Edict is a cool program because it is really holistic in that sense. And then the folks at Elemental Accelerator, they work with various startups in the clean tech and climate space. So it's really cool that they also have a really cool community of companies that they work with. And then on the CLI staff, um, our executive director has a very strong policy background as well. So that's cool. Um, also, she comes from like an organizing background as well. So really trying to center justice in our you know, programs and our organization. And then and the other director at CLI, she um, has an economics background. So Nice. Sometimes, you know, they relate engineering to renewables or they relate maybe more um, technical backgrounds. But the more I talk to people, the ones who start these cool programs are are in policy, are in finance, are in HR. Like, it's all over the place. So you can study anything and get into this industry. Every job can be a climate job. That is true. That is true. So what about your nonprofit? What does that look like? Did your friends that were in the play? Did they end up helping you start this nonprofit? Some of them did, yeah. I mean, I definitely recruited some friends to act in the play. 
Yeah, no, when I, you know, started the nonprofit, it was a lot of, you know, because you need a board of directors when you go to register a nonprofit. So, honestly, it was a lot of friends. It was my roommate. It was his family. Yeah. And then after, you know, we received our 501c3, I was like, oh, actually, I think we need to, you know, make sure we're getting the right people on this board. So, it's taken some iterations. And Ecologic is still a very new organization. So, for anyone listening that wants to get involved, I'm just going to put a plug <laughs> there you go ecologicprograms.org yeah I mean we are I mean it has been a predominantly volunteer run organization mm-hmm. and hopefully that'll change soon but yeah I mean people that have been involved like as board members um, a lot of them are just colleagues that I've worked with at previous jobs so they have you know some have some environmental background and experience um there are people who have started their own organizations or, you know, things like that. So um, it's been a little bit of a mix, but we're still trying to, you know, yeah, still recruiting and trying to find the right people for Ecologic. I love that. Okay. Well, yeah. Best of luck. That sounds so cool. A question that I try to ask everyone that I'm interviewing is to share maybe their salary range just to, you know, debunk that myth that if you work on sustainability, you can't make a lot of money because that has absolutely not been true with anyone that I've interviewed. And I try to make it particular to each person. Yeah. So now that I know you made a play, I, I would have changed these category names because I made it specific to policy and I and I wish I would have done the play, but it's okay. So <laughs> if you make 60000 a year or below, we're going to call it the concept stage. That's what I learned is when you start a policy idea. I Googled all this. I hope this is good. <laughs> um, from sixty to ninety k a year, we're going to call it the policy development stage. 90 to 120 k a year, the policy drafting stage. And then 120 or above, approval stage. You made it. So feel free to share. Yeah, really interesting. Well, I should caveat by saying, so I am not a full 40 hours at CLI because I'm doing Ecologic. So I'm Mm -hmm. currently 32 hours. So I think that might change your categories just a little bit for my case. But yeah, I guess the director level would be at one of the top two tiers. Policy draft or or approval? (laughs) So I guess I would be in the draft stage. Gotcha. Where I am currently. And yeah, I will credit the executive director at C-Life for really working, you know, as you said, to debunk the myth that sustainability jobs are even nonprofit jobs, right? And nonprofit jobs, you know, tend to not pay super well. And I, it is, yeah. And I think there's also, you know, if you look at kind of the history of nonprofits and sort of the nonprofit industrial complex, like there are some things that need to be fixed with that. Um, but I will say that I'll get, I'll, give credit where it's due and our executive director is really trying to ensure that um you know people are paid well at CLI. so yeah I love the nonprofit world I just wish that it would be like one of those where you're like you get it killing it the whole time but you have to start things from scratch my mom started one as well that's why I asked how long it took to get the whole certification because I've seen that process and it's definitely complicated so kudos to you for doing that yeah so hopefully we'll get to a place where we're able to pay staff at Ecologic <laughs> and then you can ask me that question for that organization yeah so one of the last questions is do you have any advice for people that kind of want to get into this industry if they want to work for an organization like CLI or maybe even start their own nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, I would say talk to people and talk and talk to as many people as you can. Like, you know, I think we live in this digital world. We have LinkedIn, like use it. And 
I will say I think people in the environmental space, clean energy space, they're usually very open to conversations and talking to people. So <laughs> I can attest to that because the response that I've been getting for these conversations has been amazing. It's been a lot of sea light too. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> and I would say though, you know, when you go into having these conversations, like do your homework on them so that you're, you know, making it worth your time and theirs and just have, you know, specific questions. Like if you want to know what their day-to-day -day entails, like ask them that and have done a little bit of your homework so that you know what to ask them. Actually, I've done that mistake when I was younger. I'll just be like, so how did you get to where you are? And can you tell me what I need to do yeah. to be you? Yeah. They're like, we can't give you that answer. I don't know what to tell you. So that's good. Yeah, definitely do your homework. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hello again. So first of all, thank you so much for listening to the whole episode and staying until the very end. We're continuing to try to grow this podcast and to keep on posting twice a month. So if you could comment, share, like, anything that you want to promote this podcast, I would really appreciate it. Also, if you have any suggestions on what you would like to see, we're always accepting new ideas, new people that want to be interviewed. We want all of that because at the end of the day, we're trying to help you guys get to know more about the sustainability industry. So Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in two weeks.